Episode 2, Rendition. We'll be giving our commentary in just a moment. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Jordan Dobson. And I'm BG Down. First, what were your thoughts on the episode generally? Um, there are elements I liked and elements I didn't. Um, really, not actually that much happened. It was... We get Torchwood to the States, and we figure out that um, uh, the guy from uh, Jurassic Park isn't too pleasant. Um, and that's pretty much the plot development. Uh, well, I'm glad that they expanded mm. on uh, the potential effects of Miracle Day itself, and there was a little more mm. um, delving into the social aspects and the international aspects. I mean, I know they were only touched on fleetingly. Um, but you're right, it did seem to lose a lot of the momentum that it had started to build last week. Like if you consider that, um, as we mentioned in our mm. last commentary, the first week was basically moving all the pieces into place so they could get the story started. They didn't really kick this episode off um, in quite the, mm. the fashion I'd been expecting. There was an awful lot of sitting and talking and waiting for people to get to places and exposition. But... Um, but it had some good sequences. Yeah, I, I had. I was expecting them to sort of cut over the journey to America, then get on the plane, perhaps have that in in the pre-titles sequence by the beginning of the main part of the episode, for them to be getting off the plane and uh, so on. So uh, it did feel, yes, a bit drawn out in that respect. Uh, I guess with ten episodes, you've got more room to play with. But it, I, I, I'd agree there was a slowing of the pace. But there was a fair bit of development of the different characters. Uh, we had Julie Kitzinger introduced. Oswald Danes was developed quite uh, nicely, mm. um, and we also got yeah more of that. The impact just medically and finding out more about how it's how it works, different theories being uh, put about. So um, it it kept my interest, but yeah, it it did feel a bit slower. I'd agree. So shall we get on and yeah, start the commentary? Uh, if you're watching along at home, press play now. We're introduced straight away to what appears to be a new introductory sting that uh, I, mean, I assume they're going to be using this every week now then is that right yeah. this every day or one day nobody dies and the next and the next I, I did think the world population it really isn't going up by that much no. it's, 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 it's not disaster proportions by any stretch of the imagination yeah and then we're into the recap uh, with Russell Danes brief effective recap yeah um do you think we actually need that new sting though introducing that central concept every week they seem to be labouring the central concept really badly all the way through it's like mm. they hit us enough over the head with it last week now maybe it's if they're trying to get it if you haven't seen it the previous week and get it but it's but not that much of a difficult concept to grasp no. it, it, it struck me a bit like um, with Battlestar Galactica in the title sequence of that they restate the concept oh, each time mm. and I'm wondering whether like with Battlestar Galactica that changed as you discovered more whether it'll always be this each week or when we find out uh, what the miracle is and find out more about it whether the um, that'll change that's a good thought I never watched it I was watching DVD and uh, skipped the scene <laughs> oh and I love the opening titles of that fantastic and here we are at uh, Cardiff Airport mm. doubling for Heathrow <laughs> yes um, now, we, we were discussing this as we first watched the episode ah the uh, time manipulator um Mm. already getting a reference of being taken away and here's our introduction to uh, one of our significant new characters who's Lynn, the CIA agent played by, and uh, you'll have to 
Dick forgive and, my Dick my, and Lachman. Yes, I was going to say you'd have to forgive my uh, pronunciation. And I uh, looked looked her up on uh, online. I knew I recognised her from somewhere. She was uh, Katya in Neighbours. Uh, see, that was not, uh, obviously after I'd stopped watching those. Not that I hard. ever watched Neighbours, but when you're a student, it's uh, pretty hard to avoid it if you're around. Uh, other people's houses. Uh, it, it's what you watch at breakfast. And <laughs> or five at, in the or, afternoon. Or, or, <laughs> or at lunchtime. Yeah. See, I, I knew her from Joss Whedon's Dollhouse, where oh, she played yeah. Sierra, and she was one of the standout cast members in in that, which was a fairly uneven series, it has to be said. I, I love the fact that always, if you want to have someone evil, they always have to be vaguely oriental. <laughs> oh, well, she was never evil in. Well, no, no, no. But in this, but in this, when you choose, it, no, no, no. I'm not saying they always are, but if you're casting somebody who is, uh, you, you <laughs> always take. Uh, yeah, she does. She does the ice maiden part very well. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. And, mm. that's, and here we've got the big emotional scene of them, uh, Gwen being separated from her husband and uh, baby. Um, yeah. Which is fine, uh, it's a good dramatic moment, but why did they bring them all the way to Heathrow Airport if they weren't going to bring them along? Yes, this is a good point. They've arrested them in Cardiff Bay and they dragged Reese and Baby Allen all the way to the airport, hmm. only to separate. So, I mean, obviously it compresses it, it works better just facially and stuff, but some yeah. justification. I, I, yeah, I, I think this is the first instance, though, of the plot taking or plot logic taking a back seat to um, dramatic effect we'll, mm. we'll see plenty more of it on the flight over <laughs> this is what I'll be doing next week hopefully on a plane with more people yes <laughs> yes <laughs> if uh, any listeners in the United States and we know there, there are a fair few of you out there lock your doors <laughs> I am coming yes. <laughs> the beast is landing assuming they'll let him through immigration <laughs> although if it's anything like uh, security in, in this episode of Torchwood you'll just be able to romp it'll oh, be fine it'll be fine I'll just, I'll just look at some look slight suspicion and say they were mentioned in bombs uh, well, run <laughs> well, you'll, you'll, you'll finally have some problems oh yeah we were looking for the immigration for the visa way before my dad's called William Dobson and apparently he's the head of a Colombian drugs cartel <laughs> Yeah, so so that's where the new car came from. Well, Rex obviously is my dad because he wants drugs. This episode, yeah, he does spend an awful, Hmm. awful. He does still seem to be playing it for laughs, not as extensively as uh, as last week's episode. Maybe he didn't get the memo. Maybe maybe he gradually changes (laughs) as he goes through. I remember listening to oh. Mickey, who plays Mickey uh, in Dot Who? Yeah, no guy who was saying he played it for last the first uh, the, right. f- the, the first first few episodes of that. Everyone else was playing it straight. He didn't really understand that. I don't know if about four or five episodes and he actually started playing it straight. Oh, he apologised, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, to the fans, and then uh, went back and just had the writer credits. Doris Egan, uh, new one for Torchwood. Um, uh, she's written for uh, House and I think for some other stuff like the Small, small, small Girl, Girl and Dark, um, Dark Angel, which was um, James Cameron's TV series oh, right. starring Jess Grauber in her first big role. Mm. Uh, which, which was also a sort of science fiction tinged secret organisation CIA spy mm. caper. I, I love that scene just then, people watching his execution on YouTube. Or a YouTube thing, like, that would really happen and everybody would be watching it. <laughs> yes, although hopefully not in the CIA offices at Langley. The CIA really seemed to have dropped the ball this episode. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll get into this more as things go on, but uh, they do seem to have gone mm. from yeah, the United States' foremost crime-fighting and intelligence espionage service to mm. a bunch of people in an office, which... You know, I, I suspect might reflect the reality because basically it's going to be people sitting at desks chatting. Isn't yeah, it? and Dester's very much back behind the desk after going out and about investigating 
and mm. the first episode. I think I think this is partly why this episode feels as though it's lost the momentum of the first because we don't have the international settings, we don't have people out there tracking down mysteries. We've got Esther mostly sitting at her desk. We've got tortured stuff mm. on the plane for the entire episode. And here we've got the guy from Jurassic Park. Yes, another Hollywood star, yeah. making us himself known. And he's called Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight playing uh, Friedkin, the, is he the station chief, the director. It's, uh, Esther's boss, either way. And he looks identical. <laughs> yes, is it, they tell us later on that um, everyone's mortal, but they're still ageing. Except for Mr. Knight here, who's uh, the same as he yeah. looked in Jurassic Park. Yeah, you've got a theory about his name. Yes, yes, I, I do have a rather convoluted theory about his name. Oh, the, the character. The character's name. The character's name is called Freakin. Now, as you may know, William Freakin directed The Exorcist. Now, we always have lots of horror elements and such body horror. Not particularly The Exorcist style. But with what we see later on with um, Bill Pullman's character, with his trying to get forgiveness thing, and you see it on the screen with like, Twitter trending. I was wondering whether they were trying to do a bit of a, a link with that, because that's obviously a great theme of of kind of uh, sacrifice and forgiveness type thing in The Exorcist. Mm. And so I was thinking, oh, you might have just done had a nice little link with the name of, of a character there. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. <coughs> Could just be that Rusty Davis is a fan of The Exorcist. Well, well quite, <laughs> quite, quite, quite possibly, but... But, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see if, uh, if that... Or if there are any, any other horror elements crop up. Because we do get some more Romero zombie horror type uh, type scenes yeah. later on in this. It is Gwen and Jack having their reunion chat on the plane. They do, like a, they do sound like a bickering couple, though, don't they? As one of the characters points out later. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm glad that they've mostly, or almost entirely, dropped the oh, will they, won't they, I secretly love you, Jack, um, mm. relationships that Gwen had with him from the first couple of series of Torchwood. Because um, I complained last week about uh, Captain Jack being used as a substitute doctor early mm. on in the, the series run. And Gwen very much filled the, the companion longing for mm. the doctor, but she can't ever be with him because of his dark and troubled past and he's too other mm. with a capital O. Um, and it's become a much more grounded, much more human relationship where, yes, she might have fancied him and, yes, she might find him attractive, but she definitely has mm. you know, her own life and her own husband and her own family, and that's that. Yeah. And it's nice to see that Rex doesn't appear to be completely divorced from the rest of the cast in terms of style and the actor's delivery because last week it was very much played for last now that might be down to the editing and the direction as much as the the acting but uh, he yeah. seems to be part of the same drama I, I, part of the same story I, 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 I think um, it's more tonally consistent this week yes yes that's true or maybe the director did what uh, Stanley Kubrick did on um, with George C. Scott in um, is it, was that his actor's name I can't remember his name from um uh, Dr. Strangelove he made him do three three styles he did straight which he wanted to do the actor did over the top and the comic one and uh, Stanley Kubrick just used the over the top one because that's the one he wanted mm. but he really didn't want to do it yeah. <laughs> so he could well have done this that although probably not but I'd like to think he could have done mm. that morphic field <laughs> is introduced and that's going to come up later on I don't know about you guys, but this jarred with me a little bit. Um, yeah. the, the, now, it's a sci-fi concept, and that's fine. We know that there are going to be sci-fi concepts coming. But to have something that's so obviously made... Well, to have it introduced with what's supposed to be a real-life, mm. grounded example of, well, there's some monkeys on an island, and they learn to use tools, and monkeys on another island somewhere else learn to use tools. It's because of a morphic field connecting them. No, it's because... They're all monkeys. <laughs> really, that's it. it. Doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. I'm expecting any morph to appear from the um, the plasticine modelling yes. just to appear across screen. Anything beginning with M O R is automatically evil, as we know from as we know from Lawrence Miles's blog. It's like rapping. Mo 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 mo. Or maybe not. And his. Some more creepy stuff in the office. Wayne, Wayne Knight seems doomed to play either 
hapless comic relief in all slightly creepy, slimy, corporate backstabbing types. Or occasionally both at the same time. Mm. Here we've got the idea of the singularity being brought up as well. No, the, not, well, sort of a science fiction concept, but one that's seriously considered by certain futurists. And, and I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the singularity. No, I, I assume not. this was just something that was created in oh, no, by it's, the writers. Um, oh, I forget the details. Um, but uh, no, it's an, it's an actual idea. Ah. That, is it? It's quite interesting oh. that the CIA seem to do nothing this week other than sit and watch YouTube and television. And <laughs> well, as, they say, as they say, well, observing public opinion. Well, what? well, well, that does seem to be Esther's role as a monitor. Uh-huh. Yes, but nevertheless. Milk monitors had a bit more difficult job than that in schools. Mm. <laughs> At least you had to do things, just sit and watch TV. Now, this was one of the best scenes. For me. Although he did remind me of the master when he comes back in uh, last of the, is it? oh no, um, the end of time. The end of time, but he's eating everything. Just <laughs> <laughs> expecting to yeah. double the whole thing. Except uh, I think Oswald Danes is a bit creepier than the master was. Yeah, <laughs> the master was just a bit funny, silly. <laughs> but Oswald Danes is creepy and pathetic and sympathetic at the same time. He's, he's by far the most interesting character in the yes, programme. Yes, I think um, he gets the most character development this week. Along with Rex. I mean, Rex gets far more to do this week and mm. we get to see him in action actually being a CIA agent. Yeah. Um, and we can see why he's in the position that he's in and why he, he is quite daring and uh, why he rubs people up the wrong way. But he's charming nonetheless. And Oswald Danes, yes. I mean, Bill Pullman really does make the most of the part that they've given him. Yeah. And this lady plays very well opposite him as well. She's a good form. Hmm. The whole thing about the mob outside <coughs> the door for Christopher and I reminded me of um, in the Faction Paradox books, you've got um, the City of the Saved, which is a bit of a rip-off of um, the Riverworld books by, uh, uh, what's his name, Farmer, um, but where everyone, the entire human race is resurrected um, mm. in in this sort of immortal existence uh, and uh, all six million Jews from the Holocaust hunt down Hitler and, <laughs> um, uh, so he's sort of uh, holed up in some house somewhere with all of them around him and they're making him uh, sort of keeping him prisoner there for um, <coughs> six million lifetimes until they feel that justice is done and here we have the order coming to... Yes. Well, it's a bit vague. Simply remove. <laughs> I could mean delete this after you read it. At least you didn't say delete. I mean, I think the side memo are going to appear. <laughs> he also had that triangle logo on the mm. thing. Which we assume is going to uh, become significant later on mm. in the series. Dr. Vera Juarez. We were struggling with her name last week. But she is um, a good good character. Yes. She is quite by, a lot by far to, one of the strongest characters. To you this week. Mm. And this might be uh, down to Doris Egan, you know, the writer's experience on house and medical dramas, but she really does seem to write her very well. And her interplay with Rex as well. I'm liking the relationship that's developing. Even though Juarez appears to be becoming Rex's personal pharmacist. I'm somewhere over the Atlantic and I need drugs. You need I, I need you to meet me personally, despite the fact that you've clearly got better things to do. <laughs> At the airports. And I'm going to consult you about minor symptoms every now and again, and you're going to remember them off the top of your head without consulting any charts. I, I, I did think this scene was, um, again, just trying to smash the concept through our face again. Uh, oh, the Rex has, the world has changed. Yeah, the Rex has low sodium levels, so we need to help their their minor ailments first. That makes no sense. Well, well this, it does make this this does make sense. The whole idea that um, you don't have the time urgency. Oh, I get that. I get that. But the, the whole oh, we need to reverse it. What actually well, makes most sense is what they came up with rather late on is. You just need to drug them up. I think she comes to this conclusion a little too quickly. I think it's a very good conclusion. Um, but I, I was wondering, as, as she was obviously looking around at the emergency room and wondering, uh, yeah, scratching her head and realising that 
things have changed now. I was wondering whether this, the psychological deadline of you know, impending death might just make the doctors really, really sloppy, and they might not just simply hold the, throw their hands up and go, well, actually, why are we bothering? Well, I get that, but I thought that was really obvious. Mm. Mm. You've got the running gag with the uh, I'm not gay um, flight attendant. Yeah. Yes. Which is actually quite <laughs> it, it really is funny. And see, one, of, one of the faults, I think, with the previous series of Torture of Children of Earth um, was perhaps a lack of humour. It was mm. being a little too self-consciously dour in places. But uh, they, they've added a bit of spark just to lighten things here. Mm. And he, he does look slightly similar to Killian Murphy as the uh, air host. He does. Yes, you never call them air hosts. No. Uh, but if they're women, they're always air hostesses. So... I wonder if that's just... Is that reverse sexism? Is that just normal sexism? <laughs> Flight attendants, I think. Oh, is that as a... Uh, but did, air did, host, did, that's fine. Did, oh. Was it just Jack that they tried to poison, or...? Yes. Yeah. Because I, I was like, did they tr- try and poison Gwen, but it just didn't work on... No. So we get... In, I, I'm assuming from this that whoever's behind it knows of Jack. Mm. Specifically, yeah, and you had the whole discussion at the start. Um, is this connected to Jack mm. uh, with him losing to Matati yes, at the time? That... He's taking his side. Mm. So, do we think that the people trying to kill Torchwood are necessarily the same people behind? Are they the same people who brought Torchwood back into the limelight? I'm well, guessing not, because they'd be happy with Torchwood out of the way. Yeah, that that seemed to be quite odd because um, if if they were if they're going around trying to uh, bump off the get rid of the people who've come in contact with Torchwood, mm. presumably they can't be the same people who um, pushed Torchwood into the limelight. Mm. Yes, because I mean, Torchwood was disbanded. Jack mm. wasn't even on the planet. Gwen was living quite happily yeah. in her little farmhouse in Rosilli Bay. So, you know, they, presumably the people trying to kill them off have no interest in mm. making Torchwood an issue again. Because, um, uh, yeah, it was presumably the people who sent the helicopter to mm. <laughs> incompetently attempt to assassinate yes. the, the non-deadly assassins. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, we mentioned, I think, very briefly earlier on um, this scene with Oswald Danes being grilled by... Uh, they call it a news show. It appears to be more of a Jeremy Kyle chat show. <laughs> um, but then having seen some news shows in America, apologies to American viewers, some news shows, not all news shows, um, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of difference. We're getting bad they, see, they, yeah. they seem to have... Uh, although, the other thing that grated with me were the obvious digs at uh, American policy and politics <laughs> scattered throughout this. I love Jack's. It's episode. like, I want to aid in uh, America's cultural hegemony. Give me a frosty coke. <laughs> the best line in the whole episode. He did seem to struggle with the word hegemony, as though he'd obviously had to write it on the back of his hand, or someone just holding it on a bit of card. <laughs> But at least didn't put it on the on the uh, plain roof like William Hartnell would have done and pulled his lapels. Hegemony. But William Hartnell would have got in the right fuss to hedge money. Um. <laughs> Are we hedge funds? <laughs> uh, but the scene at the airport where they were all mm. being separated and loaded onto the planes and they were complaining that uh, Gwen was complaining that Rex had no jurisdiction to do mm. this because she was a British citizen on British soil. And, yeah. And then Reese was saying, "Well, haven't you been watching the news, Americans?" Are, Good at this, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it was like, well, uh, yeah, we got that. We, yeah, you, you, you can ha- make the, the the satirical references without actually having to come out and say it. But it lost the subtlety. And here's Oswald sort of falling away. <laughs> yes, asking for well, not asking for forgiveness, but at least saying that he's sorry. Or and again, he? the CIA just the entire office is sitting and watching television. <laughs> really, guys, have you got nothing else happening? And this lady, um, I forget the character's name, but we're, the, the lady whose ID passed that, oh, uh, yeah. that uh, gets stolen later on, seems to swing from this man's a monster, we shouldn't be watching him to, oh, the poor thing, isn't this all messed up, very, very quickly. Very probably isn't I know she's own. supposed to be illustrating the point that public opinion is changing, but hers mm. does seem to turn on a dime. But Bill Pullman, full, full credit to him for that scene. Yeah. 
You have a role, too strong of an opinion, can I the process of collection? Yeah, what is your job? Why are you watching this? Really? You can't just you can't just watch the world all day. <laughs> That's what they seem to be doing. <laughs> what are you people paid for? Ah, WWCN. You see, I think this with with the um the the runner, the the assistant, her change of heart is far more effective than mm. the CIA agent. Suddenly. Denouncing him to saying that oh, it's not really his fault that you know, the world has become messed up, and perhaps she should be. Oh, yeah. and oh, here we have Jimmy Kitzinger uh, barging into the lift, played by Lauren Ambrose. Complaints already online that she's a highly annoying character, which is fine because I think she's clearly supposed to be annoying. <laughs> yeah. Full of small talk, which. Uh, now, on a second watching, I'm wondering whether this is carefully engineered small talk just to bring people's defences down, mm. or whether that's a, a natural part of their character. Mm. <laughs> We're obviously supposed to dislike and distrust her from the beginning, but then she's a PR person, so yes, he, you've, you've got a good um, <laughs> line with the. Uh, it says something that even Oswald Daines looks down on the PR people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's interesting just um, her calling him on his performance straight out, yeah. which he Did probably it, was. <laughs> I, which obviously, no, I, 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 I think it's left nicely open to interpretation, where how sincere or not he is. Call me an optimist, but I came down on the side of Oswald Daines, um, and I assumed that it wasn't a performance, and that it was quite genuine. Although it does, you know, the question of why he's there in the first place is a natural one. I don't know if, if, if Danes is actually more involved with the overall storyline than we think or just to begin with. Well, it will be by the end, mm, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that um, she's taking interest in him. She makes some reference to her... Um, Employers, and at the end, we have uh, Vera recognizing her business card as being that she works for FICORP. Um, so it seems that this mysterious organization that from the trailer we know is has been preparing for this. Yes, and am I right in thinking that her car has a triangle logo on it? I oh. didn't notice. Oh, well, we'll have to watch that. Good spot. If, it, uh, if, if Oprah want you, wants you, that's fine. <laughs> You've achieved redemption. <laughs> <laughs> that's unless, of course, your Saint Oprah is, is is on your side. Yeah, unless, of course, your um, uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, that's well. Look at what it did for Tom Cruise. <laughs> that's. Then you start jumping on chairs and things and that. You start. If you do, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal bit of footage. He jumps up and down on her sofa and just goes, "I'm in love with Katie Holmes." <laughs> Um, Katie Holmes is actually backstage watching she wasn't the guest on the show but she just accompanied him there for the filming um, and the camera follows him as he chases her backstage um, what? Oh, there was, I, mean, I assume it's the same show but it's certainly at one he proposes live on air and the camera's t- trying to keep up with Tom Cruise as he runs backstage and Katie Holmes flees from him <laughs> she, she's just this elusive <laughs> figure disappearing around various corners and you almost want to sort of cheer her on, go, run faster, Katie, run. You don't um, know what he's capable of. Here, here, here you've uh, got her um, fear at this, uh, all these panels has just been let in. <laughs> yeah, um, I, but I like that idea, the fact that mm. uh, the, the normal normal order of things really has um, started to break down. Yeah. And it's become a very ordered and very um, knowledgeable free-for-all with people just... <laughs> Turning up and pitching in ideas, mm. and another quick uh, reference to the singularity. There. Oh yeah, the singularity. Um, according to Wikipedia, it refers to the hypothetical future emergence of greater than human intelligence, but also the idea of a uh, intellectual event horizon that we can't see beyond. That there'll be uh, developments in the near future that will completely transform things so that they're beyond our current comprehension. Um, so is, is an evolution when you say greater than human intelligence do you mean 
an extraterrestrial external intelligence or an uh, evolution of no, human no, in, in else? a technological ah, singularity. Okay. So that, um, yeah, we'll get to the point where we can design greater than human intelligences. And again, she just walks in and takes over the situation, which, credit to the actress, she makes it convincing. Hmm. Um, but I think it happens just a little too often. You know? Vera Juarez walks in, takes one look at something, snaps her fingers and says, you're doing everything backwards! We have to turn all our thinking on, on its head. And lo and behold, everyone just follows her and goes, who on earth are you and what are you doing here? Shut up. I, I, I like this little little twist with the whole, if we keep giving everybody antibiotics all the time, mm. everyone's going to, become, it's going to be resistant to them. Yeah. And so if and when the whole uh, morphic field is reversed again, everybody's going to have a disease that you can't cure. Yes, that's a good point. Um, it's quite an elaborate way of killing off the whole of the world's population, but... Uh, Two, we've got... Jack not looking too good. Yep. The, to be fair, the makeup with him making him look ill is actually quite good in this. Yes. Especially later on in his illness. Um, he looks particularly pasty. Now, you see, in the first series of torture, whenever they asked John Barrowman to, to do deep and tortured, that's more or less the expression he pulled. <laughs> Perhaps they just asked him to do the same thing. But uh, I'm, I'm being snide. I'm sorry. I, I do think John Barrowman acquits himself very well in this scene. And again, makeup is a, is a, is a key part of that. Talking about recovery, Rex seems to be fine now. He keeps asking for drugs and he's supposed to be on low with sodium. But he seems he's to walk around. He's, pre- yeah. he's walking around. He seems pretzels fine. Pretzels cure all ills. Except he still has a hole in his chest. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, but apart from that, it's like the things happened. Now this bit confused me a little bit at first because it wasn't entirely clear to me. Well, this, not this bit. I'm, they're obviously going through Rex's stuff, and that's fine. But uh, in a subsequent scene later on, where she sees people fiddling. I think it's with her computer, isn't it, mm. in the end? But uh, it's not entirely clear what they're doing. They seem to be copying something to it or from it. Yeah, it seems to be taking some whatever emails or whatever they've got. But you think mm. someone might be able to override and get into that anyway. Here we are. But yeah. nobody else seems to notice them or question it. Well, maybe it's a, a regular occurrence, but they're obviously the heavies. Yes, like they're in big suits, they're burly. Now I've I've worked for an exam board um, based in Cardiff in the past <coughs> that held obviously the confidential details of a lot of students and their exam results and their school records. And so, as far as um, you know, digital information went, that was quite a secure mm. um, building. That is obviously pales in comparison to the CIA, I know. But even we had stronger security protocols than that you weren't allowed to bring in USB sticks you weren't allowed to plug any kind of external uh, recording device into the computers everyone's computer terminal was their own nobody else was allowed to use it without uh, proper authorization. and if anybody saw somebody because occasionally you'd have to call the technical people if there was a fault um, but then you'd have to let somebody else know that technical people were coming to look at your computer so that um, mm. it was expected and now, perhaps that's what they in this case and she does seem to be able to wander around remarkably easy yes. easily without them grabbing her all she does is take Charlotte's uh, pass now we, we had ID passes to move around because all of our doors were locked and had swipe cards to get through uh, again, because we, we stored exam materials, and as I say, we, we stored people's personal details on the computers. But we had a swipe card, and we had personal PIN codes to get through the doors. Mm. And we had CCTV cameras and a security lodge where people could actually monitor where people were moving around in the building. The CIA don't appear to have this. <laughs> I think it's a bit of an oversight on their part. And and also the fact they realise they have Charlotte Wells's, um ID. Why don't you just temporarily lock yeah. that because clearly she's going to have to go through some of the security door to leave. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I, I'd expect there'd be a door to get into the car park, and if you're which trying, she eventually gets to. Yes, and mm. if you're trying to track her, you must have cameras inside the building. You'd have them in the car park because people would nick them or break into them and steal my radio, which they did ah, yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. no, it's... Uh, Smithen has not been having a good weekend so far. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, mm. See, I, my wife has been uh, encouraging me to watch CSI, which I've been sort of resisting, but I've been coming around to it, especially after I watched the Tarantino two-parter. Um, did it have as many limbs as this episode does? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> uh, well, it did have a suicide bomber. Ah. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, look, looking at this, it, I, I couldn't help thinking to myself, the CSI team would have found her in ten seconds. <laughs> they'd have, you know, they'd have got everyone's camera records, they'd have tracked it down, it would be fine. Yeah, I mean, the idea is fine. Oh, yeah. But the execution is just... There's not much sense of... I get the impression they're, they're aiming for a sense of tension, and they could have really had a properly edgy... You know, she escapes by the skin of her teeth and a bit of luck. Whereas she just... Mm. She takes somebody else's swipe card and effectively walks out. Now, she looks very nervous and lots of sideways glances as she walks around the building and lots of ominous music, but... Really? And, um... I, I guess... Um... What's his face? His uh, Jurassic Park guy is trying... Seems to be trying to do this quietly. Uh, and it may be that he's... Uh, it's not something that's actually yeah. uh, he's supposed to be doing. He is uh, working for this outside uh, force. Yeah. Uh, and, but even so, it does seem. Nevertheless, if you've already started the process of setting her up, yeah, then you'd think you'd be ready to move. Well, I like the fact that she manages to charm her way past the guard with yeah. a bit of small talk. The high angle shot. The kind of high down angle shots give a nice sense of tension, and him looking down and looking up. Yeah, the kind of skewedness of it is is slightly puts you off kilter slightly. So I, I that was directed quite well. Mm. That um, it's actually got some nice little elements the direction has. Yes, it has been very very professionally directed. Don't talk to the prisoners. You give him a drink. What did you do to him? What was in it? All of these scenes were a little bit laboured, I felt. I, I got the impression they were just treading water. And again, Torchwood has been pushed into the background as an alien fighting force. There's, there's not, they're not doing an awful lot with the characters rather than sort of keeping yeah. them bottled up on the plane and giving them something to keep them occupied. I, I, yeah, I think if they'd been doing more to try and work out what's going on mm. I mean they were talking about it discussing the morphic field but if they'd been uh, more we need to solve this uh, more working on the problem as they went along that would have been yeah. better but yeah it does seem Torchwood's part of the uh, story has um has stalled and he's just being poisoned to keep up the tension while basically they uh, just get across the Atlantic. We have Rex being slightly more energetic. We do. For a very ill man with for a, man a hole with, in his chest. Yeah, for a man with a bit of metal through his heart. It would have been entirely different if Patrick Troughton would have survived the impaling. <laughs> Are we going back to the omen again? Yeah, sorry, I'm running out of material. <laughs> um, now, I'm assuming that Jack's Vortex manipulator is going to become, uh, become uh, significant later on in the series. Mm. Uh, because it's it's been... Referenced a couple of times already this episode. And yeah, it's given it back at the end. So, so far, he's only used it to detect low sodium levels. So. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm quite willing to believe that yeah, something that's strapped to his wrist could have some sort of heart monitor and yeah, you know, I, I, I can thing. buy that. But yes, yeah. it's definitely it. being set up for later. M- maybe um, RTD's making a comment on on modern health. Awareness and saying that actually salt is good for you. <laughs> so actually, eat more pretzels, eat more. Just drink salt. I, I, I saw something also about how the whole thing you need to drink sort of eight bottles of water yeah, yeah, yeah. a day or something. Uh, actually, you don't. As long as you drink when you're thirsty, uh, you'll be fine. It says something for this scene that, that we've actually stopped talking about torture and have gone on to. 
yeah, diet and health requirements. So, what, 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 what do you think of this whole sequence with them putting together a um, uh, antidote with ingredients on the plane? Uh, SFX said in their preview that it would either have you howling at the screen or shrugging your shoulders at the sheer brass-faced cutsper and going along with it. And I'm, at the risk of sounding contrary, I'm somewhere between the two. <laughs> I like the idea, and I like the idea that they're linking these two separate scenes up finally, and that yeah. Jack's poisoning by the CIA and uh, has caused Rex to get in touch with Vera Juarez on the ground, and she's getting in touch, she's using the panel to, you know use their resources to come up with a cure mm. that's fine and as for all I know the actual chemistry involved is sound the way in which they go about it is utterly ridiculous mm. it, but yeah they do it with enough panache that I, I can let it slide it, it, it's, a, it's a bit like the scene in uh, The Unicorn and the Wasp with David Tennant when he's been uh, poisoned with cyanide and has Harvey all... Warbanger <laughs> yes uh, has all the people and the um, kiss from <laughs> Donna to shock his system, uh, but you can you've got a bit more license there with uh, Time Lord physiology and Doctor Who being that. It's, it's always been a bit pliable, hasn't it? Um, it what I, I said before, it re- reminded me of the, the Time Monster, in which the Doctor creates this really odd device with lots of just things from around the house, and then it needs to be powered by tea leaves and <laughs> sends it around, and somehow this can track the master. Or, 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 or something like that. Um, but the Doctor's always had a certain amount of Merlin in him, hasn't he? Yeah, there's, there's always a certain amount of magic. So much him. magic that he can melt silver with probably something around 60 degrees C. Well, yeah, well, this is odd. Yeah, well, it was as a catalyst, apparently, but... But yeah. still, you need, yeah, right, you need silver <coughs> in the mix to kick things off. You still need to measure these things quite precisely, I'm sure. You don't just stick them all... Wholesale into a and coffee what, pot, and also another technical thing. Oh no, I suppose it, it is pressurized, so the boiling point would be 100 degrees. Yes, because otherwise it'd be more like 60. Still, so if, if you're going to uh, if you're going to melt sterling silver, it has an incredibly high melting yeah. point. And uh, all right, okay, fine. So this this bit felt a bit laboured. We're missing the final ingredient to save Jack. Oh, fine, we've got to go and rip up all the floorboards. But I love the fact that where the moving parts are is the next panel along. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting to run to the back of the plane to, or, or to the front where there's actually like wing movement or yeah. or rip a seat out or something but no they go to the next panel the, along the wiring yeah in the next panel is not going to be any different to the wiring in the first <laughs> it's the grease alright and so we need to access the landing gear mechanism you don't do that from the floor of the flight deck well it's not the flight deck but you know the passenger deck mm. the, the landing gear is safely stowed a in the wings and B underneath the nose. It's there and they're at the bottom of the plane. Yeah, I I think it is a bit of a problem that both their two sort of set piece uh, exciting action sequences, as it were. Mm. Uh, both of them, they do. If you just go with it, they are fairly entertaining mm. and they're fairly fun and fast paced and stuff. But uh, it it does undermine it that they that they do seem so implausible just the yeah. lack of intelligence from the central intelligence agency and then bad intelligence yeah. uh, it's, it's as I said earlier on this. the plot logic takes deliberate it takes a de- deliberate backseat to reasons of, of drama and excitement and then they just slow it down because Jack obviously isn't that ill we just need to wait and slowly be measured for a slight period of time before yeah. we inject him. It's like, I thought they'd be laying it, pulling it out, and jabbing it in him as soon as possible. Mm. So we need to put enough cyanide in it that it doesn't kill him. How much is that? Because you just appear to have put the entire tablet in. <laughs> I, I love his taking his tie off his pirouettes. Yes. <laughs> He's obviously not gay and not camping anyway. Doesn't he, doesn't he say at one point, it was just the one time? <laughs> Uh, uh, Jack looking really yeah. quite ill. <laughs> yeah. See, watch what this is. This is our second time watching this through. It, it does give 
It, it is quite dull on a rewatch. For all of the drama and the excitement and the running around and we've mm. got to save Jack. It's uh, alright, fine. It doesn't help that we know that Jack's not going to die because it's only episode two and he's got to survive. What, what I like when they get the grease in the cup, it just looks like a dodgy drink <laughs> from a nightclub. It looks like that drink we gave Caleb on his stag night. <laughs> Without the milk. Yes. And alcohol. <laughs> Curdling. <laughs> I like this line. I, well, the problem is it won't work in the States. I think. Isn't that England? <laughs> well, no, that we've already established that Wales is separate because you have to go over the, oh, the bridge that you pay for. It's like New Jersey. It's separate than like New Jersey. Well, New Jersey's not separate from the United States. But fine. And apparently, paying for bridges, you have to. In my research to going over to Canada, yeah, the Canada, the Niagara Falls Bridge from the uh, New York State side to the Ontario, you have to pay $3.25 per car. US dollars. <laughs> So it's an awful lot less than the Seven Bridge. Oh yeah, that's a bargain. You get to see, you get to see the whole of Canada for three dollars twenty five, and you come over the Seven Bridge and you, you land in Newport. That's, I'd ask, I would ask for my money back, and that's essentially about eight dollars. Yeah. As um, Caleb and I went to a stand up comedy evening a few weeks ago, and, oh, yeah. uh, and one of the, one of the comics was, was visiting Wales and made the joke because you you pay at the toll booth. And uh, as I was complaining about the price, and it was it was as much as yeah paying to get into a cinema, and so we made the joke of roll up to to, to the toll booth, uh, yeah at one time and, and try this joke on them. I would like I would like one ticket for, to see Wales, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that uh, the, the person in the toll booth leaned down and made a joke back and said, "There you go, that's 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 one ticket for Wales. May contain scenes of mild horror." <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> they, they really are moving along. Most of the storyline this week seems to be happening within the, C- the upper echelons of the CIA. Mm. Which is fine. And here's our Romero zombie horror scene. Which, which is quite nice. It's a severed arm. It's quite nice. And here it's completely the, pointless. <laughs> and here we get it established that uh, humans are still ageing. Hmm. Uh, and you've got the myth of, mention of the myth of um, Typhonus, Typhonus, um, who uh, was given uh, eternal life but not eternal youth, mm. and as they say, sort of grew old and begged for death. Um, because, yeah. And this, of course, ties it even more closely to Jack, who, as mm. we know, well, according to you know, depending on the plot, can't die or immediately comes back to life again, but carries on aging. Until he's just a giant head in a jar. <laughs> yes. But he just seems to age very, very, very slowly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, around five billion years. Yes. Also. Uh, is, is that the natural evolutionary path of humanity, then, assuming we don't <laughs> this, die? We just this is assuming that uh, uh, Jack actually does become the face of Bo, which is implied, but not. Yeah. <laughs> and still Kitzinger. Popping up again. Yes, I was a little confused mm. until you know, it was explained in the next scene just why she turned turned up and walked into mm. the most crucial meeting being held in any hospital in Washington. And uh, I mean, you've also got things like um, in Gulliver's Travels, you have the whole idea of uh, eternal uh, life being and growing old and stuff. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, but it's not an idea that immediately adds urgency, but it is one that adds interest. Yes, yeah. yes, that's true. And here again with um, uh, Kitzinger's sort of patter, her small talk, just to mm. yeah, well, so she's introducing herself to to other people. I wonder if it's a, a way to disarm them to make her seem harmless and a bit skitty. Every time you keep mentioning small talk, I just keep thinking of um, Ronnie Corbett with a kids show. Does anyone remember what on BBC One? I really do. There's a small, small talk with Ronnie Corbett because obviously he's really short. Hmm. I just think he's oh, he, replacing Jilly with him. If you don't know Ronnie Corbett, he's the only, he's the world's only stand-up comic to sit down for his entire sets. 
pretty much. He was in Burke and Hare, directed by John Landis, came out last year. Which I've not seen yet, but I read it. And here we find out, have our first mention outside the trailer of Fycorp and discover that uh, Jilly Ketzinger is working for them mm. and that they've got these um, pain uh, drugs for lessening pain. It might be the first mention that the. I, don't, I haven't seen the American trailer, but as we found out, the, the difference between the edits of the US and the UK edition was basically we had more time, so we got a full, like, flash forward for the whole series, and the Americans just got um, the next time trailer. So I don't know if Ficourt was mentioned on the next time trailer in America. If, if so, tell me. Um, because otherwise, that would be the first mention. Mm-hmm. that we're probably supposed to know about. Yes, good point. Now, you've, you've raised an interesting point. Some fans, some British fans, have been a little annoyed, um, well, they were annoyed beforehand that the Americans were getting um, tortured a week before we were, uh, but we're taking some solace in the fact, and uh, we caught a glimpse of the card there, I'm not sure if there was a triangle on it, um, but they were taking some solace in the fact that we were supposed to get a different edit and it was going to be slightly longer, we were going to get some extra footage that Stars wasn't getting. Um which was confirmed by the BBC that the edits were mm. going to be different but in terms of the actual episode itself disregarding the trailer mm. it is that they were completely um, completely identical I, I, I heard someone say they um, uh, thought that there were more sort of glamour shots of Wales and the Welsh countryside in the American one um, so I, I don't know I haven't been following but I, I'm I uh, got a good sense of panic from Esther. I, I quite yeah. like the scene of um, Rex realizing the situation they're in. And this, this, this is this is good. This is tense. This is using um, kind of visual effects quite quite nicely, slowing that kind of slightly slowed down. Mm. Feel. Mm. I think the Zack Snyder should watch and see how he actually works rather than just putting it in everything for no points. <laughs> <sighs> Watchmen. Uh, Alan Moore would be spinning in his grave if he was in it, which is not. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the idea of them being set up would have more impact if we didn't already know that they'd been set up because there'd been an obstacle poisoning on the plane. So they know that someone's out to get them. Yeah. Mm. Which they knew already, but they didn't know they were within the CIA. I, I like the idea that they're trying to pay him off as well. That that kind of makes some sense, keep him quiet, just wire the money in. Or it could be used as blackmail. I don't think it's even that they're being paid off, I think it's that they're looking as if they've been paid off. Oh, that's true. yeah. Mm. And this was good, because he gets to. <laughs> this is Rex using, you know, humour and badassery. Combined, mm. which is you know, really the character we should have had from the start. He's here in force. This is a good line. <laughs> Jack seems to have recovered very quickly. And so does Rex. Yeah. <laughs> this is Rex's ultimate badass mode. Oh, oh. And then this bit was a little odd. <laughs> neck twists yes. he couldn't have just headbutted her or punched her or thrown her off or anything like that no he has to twist her head around I, I think this, it definitely makes it with nice comic moments does this episode yeah. to kind of keep, keep keep you on board if it wasn't funny I think I'd get a lot more irritated with this yes as I was saying last week humour does cover a multitude of sins um, annoyingly we, we saw the good line from the fast forward trailer from last week why should we come with you I have a car yeah. <laughs> it is funny it is funnier in context though yeah yeah that's true but just the fact we know it mm. it's, it's just a bit annoying and Jack gets his vortex manipulator back yeah. oh and this is another good one <laughs> it's brilliant yeah <laughs> how to lose a tail at an airport <laughs> now if you've if you've commissioned an, an aircraft a uh, 747 from the looks of the establishing shots to carry t- you know two highly wanted prisoners from the UK to the US you land them at Washington Dallas Airport then you do think you'd have somebody there to meet them you know, with a police van 
to escort them to mm. safekeeping, whereas they just seem to have kicked their guards in the head mm. and then run away. So you suppose they would have picked them up actually from the plane and driven out of the airport somehow. Yeah, so airport, this is it. Airport security seems to be non-existent, which is bizarre. Oh dear. <laughs> How on earth did she get out there? That's just hilarious. This... Mirroring, uh, of course, Meryl Streep scene from Death Becomes Her, uh, which is a fantastic, really blackly comic 90s comedy, if you've ever seen that. No. But that, but that head twist is just hilarious. It reminded me, in retrospect, of Lost in Space. Lost in Space? Yeah. I wa- the, 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 the film version, which was really bad. Uh, see, that again seems to be something that's becoming a weekly occurrence. Something rather cheesy happens, somebody exclaims in dismay, What on earth's happening? and Gwen sort of looks almost to camera and goes, Torchwood. <laughs> da da da. And we've got more of the uh, banging us over the head that yes, people aren't dying, but you can still hurt people. Again. They really do seem to be labouring their concept a bit, don't they? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a more difficult concept to get your head round. But I'm thinking it's quite simple. You don't die, you just age. Well, I, I think it's also just re-establishing it each, it's each episode for people who yeah. haven't seen previous ones. Uh, and also just different angles on it. My uh, urban street, yes. They do the the next time trailer is promising because it does seem to be tying all these disparate elements and characters Mm. together. Finally, and and, and you did get some more of that in with uh, Julie sort of flitting between different points, and uh, Mm. she gave the drugs to Vera, which have now been given to. Uh, Rex, so presumably that's setting up. He's going to use these drugs from Fight Corp, and that'll have some repercussions down the line, or whatever. But yeah, you can see different things beginning to fit together and be set up. So there we go. What do we all think on a overall on a second year, guys? It doesn't improve. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think. it's enjoyable but yeah it does seem to um, as as you said Peter um, it's putting dramatic effect above logic Hmm. which which was the crime of the first two series of Torchwood really that they managed hmm. to do away with the children of Earth so I'm a little disappointed to see that creeping back it's It's not become so bad that I've stopped enjoying it no and I think there's another similarity to children of Earth in that you also had government agents coming after them trying to take out the Torchwood team mm. um, and it does seem to be holding up the Torchwood team actually getting on and investigating it so hopefully they'll start actually investigating the miracle and working on what's yeah. happening and have a chance to do that rather than just running away <laughs> mm. yes that's true See, one of the things that really both me with the first two series of Torchwood and one of the things that disappointed me so consistently was the fact that they had a great concept they had a great cast mm. and they had, you know, bucket loads of potential but it became very clear more so with series one than with series two that the people behind the program had no clear idea of what they wanted it to be yeah. or what they wanted to do there was no consistency there was no through line um, now they managed to reduce that problem to a certain extent with series two but it still suffered it Mm. From uh, a, from aimlessness, really. Children of Earth, five days, five hours, one storyline. It became clear from the start, and I think mm. it helped having Russell T. Davis back at the helm yeah. yeah. that they knew exactly from the get go what they were doing, and they went about it no fuss, no nonsense. Now, uh, Miracle Day started with the same, you know, grand concept. We've got a single high concept idea that we're hanging our storyline off. It's going to be one long serialized storyline. Um, and again, I was very hope, um, hopeful, expecting really, that they knew what they wanted and they knew what they were going to do. So I'm a bit frustrated that two weeks in, they do still seem to be meandering around the shop a little bit. They're beating around the bush. They haven't really got into the meat of the story. But again, as you said, hopefully next week, from what the next time trailer 
has promised us will be off and running again. Yeah, and you do seem to have what seems to be the new team with Rex and Esther, um, which from the publicity stuff does seem to be that there mm. they get thrown together with Torchwood. Um, that uh, now they're together. Hopefully, it will take off. You've got they've got to America. You've done the setup. The story can really yes. uh, begin to kick off now. Mm. All the pieces are in place, which we thought were in place last week, but um, <laughs> let's hope that they are actually in place for next week, and um, it actually goes <clears throat> where it wants to. I mean, we were saying about they might have a clear concept of where they want to go. It might be the case that they decide, yeah, this is what we want to do. Then realised. Yeah, we can't really do this in ten episodes. Let's just make it longer. But it's ten episodes really isn't that long, especially no, for an American not, series. No, so I'm quite surprised not. that there's been so much padding. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that could be a potential reason they could have. I, I don't know. Maybe it would have worked more, more be- better. We don't know yet. Obviously, they say seven episodes or something, but it's mm. it, we were given a ten episode. We we just need to pad it a little bit. I don't know, but it's it's perfectly watchable. Oh yeah, um, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Um, yes, yeah, definitely. As, as we're saying before, the comedy elements help a lot. Otherwise, you'd be sitting there. This makes no sense. <laughs> You're annoying me. Yeah. Whereas a few decent comedic lines, you know, d- d- do yeah. keep you on board very well. It, it it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not as serious as Children of Earth. Um, and I think sense. if there's a criticism to be made of Children of Earth, was perhaps it uh, did take itself terribly seriously and was trying very hard to be respectable BBC One uh, drama. Mm. And that did work really well, but I think the... Um, the comedy does certainly help here a lot. Mm. Children of Earth was funny in parts, though. Yes, especially the uh, the uh, cabinet meetings <laughs> were hilarious. I was thinking Yanto um, driving the digger, that giant yeah. truck. <laughs> perhaps perhaps <laughs> I'm overstating the case somewhat. No, no, no. But, but I think but those were it. almost the only two moments. Everything else was quite. Dead. But I th- but yeah, but I think the general thrust of it was like that because that's what we remember. Mm. Yes, that's uh, true. Okay. Well, we'll be I think that's that pretty much wraps, wraps us up. up yes, so we'll we'll be back next week. I I won't be. Uh, Swiffin's being extradited to yeah. America. Yeah, I've been renditioned. <laughs> Trying not to get poisoned on the flight over. There'll be a blue mini waiting for you. I, I, I'll have to observe him pouring my drink <laughs> from a can or uh, demanding the can. Well, make make sure to have. Uh, Coca-Cola to contribute to America's cultural <laughs> hegemony. Oh, I will. I, I definitely will. Uh, but yes, uh, let us know your thoughts uh, on on the book and uh, the other ways of getting in touch yes. with us. And, and we'll... do visit our Facebook page. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, um, we want to be liked. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had a comment from uh, Adam Purcell of Staggering Stories podcast, agreeing that there was a bit of a exposition overload in episode one, and uh, wondering what the new Tortured viewer would make of this first Miracle Day episode. Well. Actually, my wife watched Tortured for the first time with this, and uh, she she actually liked the first episode and was quite surprised, having not thought she'd like Tortured at all, uh, to enjoy it, and is keen to watch the rest of the series. So for at least one viewer, it seems to have been uh, a success. But yeah, and as Adam says, uh, the concept is strong. What is RTD's obsession with death? And I hope to get to begin to like some of the new cast. So, yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Adam. And uh, we had a comment from uh, Shuggy saying that it was very American, wasn't it? Uh, And that the concept is the best thing about it. And pointing out that Jack used the name Owen Harper to the CIA. Yeah, that was a nice nod back to the original Tortured cast. Wonder whether we'll get some references to... Yanto and Tosh. <laughs> Yanto hasn't actually been referenced, I don't <laughs> no. think, has he? I'm a little bit surprised, but uh, mm. I, we, we are bound to get one before the series. Maybe there's an sure. even bigger shrine in America <laughs> than there is in the Bay. Maybe that's the end of the series cliffhanger, Yanto comes back. Yanto's behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie Yanto. It's all Jack's faults. 
<laughs> yes, so thanks thanks for the comments. Uh, please keep them coming. We've also got plenty of other things going on on the Impossible Podcasts blog. Reviews editor, Peter? Peter. Um, yes, no, we've got a week-by-week series of reviews on HBO's Game of Thrones series. So our Swiss correspondent, Kieran Mathis, is, uh, is giving us his thoughts on that and comparing it to the book. You might also have downloaded... Caleb's conversation with Olivia about sci-fi and fantasy storytelling in video games recently. Well, that podcast is being used to kick off a series of video games reviews, so we've got two coming up. Olivia's going to be first up with uh, Dungeon Siege 3, and then we've got uh, Blast from the Past the following week, so do keep your eye on that. We'll have other reviews as well uh, coming up, and more podcast discussions and articles, so uh, do keep visiting. But yeah, uh, that's all from us this week. Bye. Bye. Right. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more commentaries plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>